Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to Motivate, the Motivation and Inspiration Podcast. I'm your host, Dahi D, and today's guest is David Goggins talking about inventing your persona. I chose this clip because a lot of us think that we're just not that person. We're not that person that's going to achieve all these goals. Deep down, we believe that we can do it, but in reality, we are limited by the fact that we don't see ourselves as that person who has achieved all of those feats. David Goggins points out that what worked for him was actually beating himself up and creating his own new persona. His persona allowed him to achieve new heights because he didn't have the limitations of his current self. And that's what I think a lot of us should be doing. That's it for me today. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for listening. You know what? I, I grew up not that guy. Yeah. So a lot of people put a title on me. They want to, uh, they see me now. They see me now as the guy that with his shirt off who can do 4,030 pull-ups in 17 hours, who can run 205 miles in 39 hours, who can do all this crazy shit. But what they don't understand is they don't understand the journey that it took me to get to this point. And what got me to this point was I was just the opposite of what I am today. I was that guy who ran away from absolutely everything that I got in front of me. But not many people knew that. I had two people. Had the, had, had the, like the real me was like this very scared, insecure, stuttering, got beat up by his dad, all this kind of stuff. And then I, I built this fake person that walked around like my shit didn't stink, you know? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, so that was, that's kind of how I did it. And I, through the process of time, I realized that I was lying to myself and lying to people. But that, it's a, a fascinating journey, though, because you are that guy now. Right. I mean, you genuinely are a legit badass. Right. And at one point in time, you were a, a legit terrified person. Yes. So what was the process? Like, how did, how did you step forth? <clears throat> well, it's a, it's, it's a long process. Right. Um, I, my dad beat the shit out of me when I was growing up. We, I, I was the first black baby born in this hospital called Miller Fillmore in Buffalo, New York. My dad owned skating rinks, he owned bars, he ran prostitutes from Canada to Buffalo, New York. My dad was a big time pimp, big time, anything bad about a person, big time hustler. He was American, you know that, that movie with him, Daniel Washington? Mm -hmm. He was that, but not that bad. Right. You know, he wasn't that big, but that's what it reminds me of. He was that kind of guy. And um, beat the shit out of me, beat the shit out, you know, out of my mom. There was an incident one time when my mom got knocked out on top of the stairs and he drug her down the stairs by her hair. And at six years old, um, I'll never forget this. In my mind, I, I was always afraid. My whole life I was afraid, but I had this fucking voice, this, this conscience that would always be battling me saying, hey, you gotta get up and do something. I didn't wanna do shit. You know, I was just afraid, but I would, that, that voice would force me to get up and my dad, you know, I tried to beat him up, whatever, at six, and I get my ass kicked. So this went on for several years. And I have a big time learning disability because my dad didn't believe in us going to school. So my dad, it was about the business, the skating rink and the bar. So the skating rink opened about 7 o'clock at night, 
and this is when, the time I was able to walk. So about five, you know, four, five, six years old, eight, nine, and I go to this, you know, skating rink at seven o'clock at night, and I worked the skating rink until ten at night, and then we would scrape the gum off the floors, and we cleaned the whole skating rink up, and then my dad had an office, and my brother and myself would sleep in the office, and my mom would go upstairs and work the bar until three o'clock in the morning, and then they cleaned the bar up. So after all that shit was done with, going to school rarely happened. So when I went to school, I was all kind of you know, my, my learned disability, I had social anxiety. I was just a jacked up kid from living in this tortured home. From the outside looking in, we lived in an all-white neighborhood, and then we would travel to the ghetto of Buffalo, New York, where the skating rink was at. So, we, you know, we worked around mostly blacks, and I lived around mostly whites. But no one knew what was going on in that house at, on 201 Paradise Road. You know, it, it's crazy. But um, my mom got courage to finally leave him. When I was about eight years old, we moved to a small town in Brazil, Indiana, and that's when the real war started for me. And Brazil, Indiana is a small town, great people, a lot of great people, and I say that because a lot of people get offended, and, and I'm, I'm going to get to the point why they get offended. There was about maybe 10 black families at about 10,000 people in the town. And in 1995, the KKK marched in the 4th of July parade. So this was a, not everybody was racist. There's a lot of good people. Some of the best people I knew was there, but there's also a lot of racism there. So me being one of the few black kids in that, you know, in that area, you know, it, it kind of haunts you. I had stuff on my notebook, you know, nigga, we're going to kill you on my Spanish notebook. They had that on my car, nigga, we're going to kill you. This is early 90s. And um, so even though I showed it didn't hurt me, it was jacking me up. So all the insecurities I had when I was a kid with my father, I moved into this area here and it just got worse and worse and worse. And the shit haunted me. And that voice that I talked about, it kept talking louder and louder and louder, but I was doing nothing about it. And I decided to make moves. And I cheated all through school. And it's, it's kind of humbling to talk about my stories sometimes. And it's, um, it's, it's also embarrassing, but um, it's real. It's who the fuck I am. It's, it's, it's what I am. It's, it's, it's what created me. And copy from the fourth grade to the to, to my junior year in high school on every assignment. And I want to get in the military, want to join the Air Force. And the guy gave me an ASVAB test. It's like a watered down SAT. And I couldn't copy on it because the guy beside me had a test A, I had test B. The guy on my right had test C. So I looked to copy on this test and I couldn't copy on it. So I got like a 20. And I wanted to be an Air Force pararescueman. It's guys that jump out of airplanes and save down pilots. It's a, it's a special operator in the Air Force. And my score was so horribly low that we take it again. And he said, hey, I got like an 18 the second time, even worse. I need to get a 50 out of a 99. And so my mom and I, for a while, we lived in the government subsidized apartments, $7 a month, and also food stamps. And we slowly moved up to a $230 a month place. But at the time, you know, we were you know, pretty poor. But um, my mom afforded enough money for me to go to see a tutor one one hour a week so for four hours a month i had six months to study for my last test i going to take the ASVAB test you know the ASVAB test three times and i studied my ass off and passed it and i got in the air force and realized there was more things in front of me i was afraid of the water terrified of the water and um i learned how to swim but what gets everybody in this training in all special ops training is the water confidence where they try to pretty much drown your ass you know all of our lives we've been breathing and they take that from you, and they want to see how comfortable you are in the water. 
and there's only 1% African-Americans in special operations. And I didn't know anything about African, like a lot of them are negative buoyant, which I am because of the bone density. I, I struggled. But um, six weeks into the program, there was about 25 guys left out of about 150. I was there, and I, was never, I didn't go to sleep for six weeks of the program. And I wanted to quit so badly, but I quit everything in my life. I copied through school. I wanted to prove people wrong. And so here I am in this Air Force program, starting to get a little more confidence. But this water was kicking my ass. And six weeks into the program, the doctor gave me a blood test. It was that sickle cell. Sickle cell trait, not the anemia. But it still killed people. But So they pulled me out of training for a week. And when you go from being very uncomfortable in that water situation, and then now you're comfortable, and I'm sitting back watching the guys drown. I'm not, you know, I'm not part of the activities anymore for this week. I didn't want to get back in that damn water again. So the fear overcame me, and all my insecurities from my dad, from this small town, from everything started coming back. And even though no one knew how fucked up I was, kind of create this other person who was tough, I live with this shit all the time. So me not wanting to go back in that water, the doctor called me back up. I thought I was going to get like a, like a medical kick out of the military. So no quitting for me. They'll kick me out so I can have some pride. The doctor said, no, man, we're kidding. You know, we could put you back in the training. And I was like, fuck. But after a week, I'm like, you know what? I missed one week. There's only three weeks left. There's a good chance, you know, I could tough this shit out and go on. But I went back to the CO and the commanding officer of the program. And the sergeant said, hey, you got to start from day one because you missed, you know, that, that week of training. And I broke. I broke. I, I, I couldn't imagine going back through that again. So I made up a lie. And I said, man, the sickle cell thing is really scaring me. It was the fucking water. It wasn't sickle cell. And, and I pretty much quit. Even though they gave me a medical, it, I quit. So um, from the age of 19 to the age of 22, I went and did a job called TAC-P, where you control fast movers behind enemy lines. Cool job, but there's no water. I was afraid of the water, so I avoided it. And um, I gained 125 pounds in that time frame. I went from 175 to almost 300 to 297 was my heaviest. And I started finding things that was comfortable. And the more things I found comfortable, the more uncomfortable my mind was. Because that voice I was telling you about, it, it always was there. I was just trying to avoid that conscience. I, I wanted to be left alone from that conscience, and it wouldn't leave me alone. So I got out of the Air Force, and I started working for a job called Ecolab where you spray for cockroaches at 24 and um, spraying at different steak and shakes, red lobster, whatever, from 11 o'clock at night to 7 o'clock in the morning. And what changed, I came home and watched this Discovery Channel show, um, class 224. I came home from steak and shake. I sprayed it down last, get a big old large 42-ounce shake, walk across the street and get a box of mini donuts from 7-Eleven. And I would drive home for 45 minutes Big old fat guy who, yeah, I worked out, but I was fat. I didn't run, didn't PT. I just, I just hit the gym. So I'm um, driving home, turn the TV on, and what comes on, Discovery Channel so, and that's where everything changed for me. I uh, was taking a shower. I walked out, heard these guys, and I watched the show, and it made me reflect big time on the piece of shit that I am, and I'm exactly what people said I was going to be. So, so what was on this show that really struck home? It was... Um, I saw these guys going in the water, so I, I was terrified of it. I mean, I can't even express. Have you ever had a big fear? And I know a lot of fighters have fears and stuff like that, but they get over them. But a lot of us have these fears that you just don't want to fucking face. And um, I have a lot of them. 
I had a lot of them. And that's what created the person who's in front of you today. And we'll get into that. But um, just a scared bitch is what I was. And, but I was watching these guys going through Hell Week, Class 224. And these guys ringing the bell, quitting, dropping their helmet down, rolling out. A lot of guys just leaving. And it made me reflect on my fears, my insecurities. And I saw real men, what I thought were real men who were staying, who were overcoming adversity, who were overcoming all these different things that I had blamed so many fucking people in my life. My, my dad, the, the, my, my mom for not being there. When I was 14 years old, my, my mom was going to get remarried to this great guy. He got murdered. And then I moved back to a small town in Brazil, and, and I, I, everybody was to blame. My, my learning disability, my, my skin color, you know, me, me being everything. And so um, I sat there for a while, and I was like, man, I got to fucking, I, I've, I've got it. No one's going to fucking come to help me. No one's going to fucking come to help me. It's, it's fucking me against me, period. And um, so I had to man up, and I said, the first thing I started doing is facing every fucking fear I have. No matter what the fuck it is, man. And, I, and these things would keep me up. And I, no one, people who are hearing this shit, they, they will never really understand and grasp when you face these things and so many things how they keep you up and haunt you at night i think there's a lot of people out there that know what you're talking about i mean and um so that's what it did and i i, I had two options to either be that 300 pound guy who sprayed for cockroaches and made a thousand dollars a month and at 24 years old knowing when i'm 50 fucking years old i can reflect on this and think about what guy i never became or i can totally just sack it up and fail and fail and fail until I succeed. So I started calling recruiters up. I said, I'm gonna go be a fucking Navy SEAL. And every recruiter, so there's a weight and height, so the weight and height limit to get in the military. And I was six foot one and 297. And I had prior service, which was a big deal. So I called all these recruiters up and all of them said, hey, how tall are you, blah, 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 blah. They got into conversations to see if I was even qualified. And by the time I got to my weight, phone would hang up pretty much like, hey, you know what? Call somebody else, you know, try to get in the reserves. So I tried to get in the reserves. And I called this guy named Steven Saljo, recruiter up. And he said, hey, come on in. He saw me, put me through the weight standard, all this other stuff. And to get into the class I had to get into, I had to lose 106 pounds in less than three months. So I was like, fuck that. I can't do that. I grabbed my chocolate milkshake and went back to Ecolab. I'm going back to work, man. This is my life. So in this job, you look. You know, you're looking for cockroaches, looking for rodents and stuff like that. And this next morning or this next night, I went to work and I hit the, I don't like cockroaches too much. I hit the mother load of cockroaches. And this restaurant got full of cockroaches and rodents and everything else. And I sat there and I said, this is my life. I said, this is my life. You are exactly who the fuck, this is it. And I said, this ain't going to be it for me. So in that restaurant... I quit my job, left my canister in that restaurant, my, my spray canister, got back in my Ecolab truck, and I went home. And I started working out like somebody. I, was, I became the most obsessed person on the planet Earth. And I was basically, I had to invent a guy that didn't exist. I had to invent a guy that can take any pain, any suffering, any kind of judgment be called nigger, be called whatever the fuck in the world and be able to stand in the fucking room and say, go fuck yourself. I had to build, the, I had to build this callous mind and I built it through suffering. I built it through downright fucking just crushing myself. If, if it was raining outside at three o'clock in the fucking morning, if it was snowing, the first instinct is don't go out there and do shit. 
my instinct was, we got to fucking go out there. Anything that was fucking horrible in my life that I would normally say no, that was inhumane to most people, I had to go do it. And I started callousing my mind at this point in my life. And I lost the weight. I lost the weight, and I went back to recruiter. I got into that class, and I went through three Navy SEAL Hell Weeks in one year. Only guy to ever be in three Hell Weeks in one year, to my knowledge. The first one I didn't make it through. The next two I did. And um, that I just didn't, I, I didn't stop anymore from there. And I started realizing through this, through this process that the fucking mind is what you created. And I started opening different doors that I didn't think were even there, that I didn't think even existed. And the more doors I opened up, the more I started realizing that my potential is damn near endless. And it, and it changed my whole mindset. So I went from David Goggins and I created Goggins. And that journey is a priceless journey that is hard for me to even explain to people because it sounds so quick and easy. Like I lost this weight and I went through three hell weeks. I went to Ranger School, went to Delta Force Selection, whatever it is. It was brutal. It's a brutal journey every fucking day. And everybody goes, well, are you happy? If anybody knows my life story, and I'll try to give you a, a, just a snippet of it. Where I'm at today is in front of Joe Rogan telling you my life. To get through where I became, to get through where I'm at now, there's nothing but pride I have for myself that I can't really, I can't really show people. Because I have this face. I have this face that they see like, are you happy? What's wrong with you? I'm driven. I'm obsessed. And that's what you see. That's it.